Most of the Nets seemed like they were sitting this one out, but the ones that were left brought all of the effort you could ever want and more. Brooklyn ultimately falls 118-113 to the Milwaukee Bucks. But the story of this game was how hard the guys who were left fought, how hard that bench fought, and how much they even possibly broke a record in doing it. It goes down as a loss in the win-loss column, but you have to commend the effort from the Brooklyn Nets in this one. We're going to break it all down right after the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Lockdown Nets podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. I am Doug Norrie, the owner and operator of DFSR.com. That's DailyFantasySportsRankings.com. If you need projections or bets for FanDuel or DraftKings, go check out DFSR.com. We got you covered over there. Hit up the chat room, too. I'll be over in there most nights talking hoops. No Adam Armbrecht on the podcast today, fresh off of his uh, talk with Kane Pittman. That one ground them down going into the Bucks game. It's okay. We're going to roll this one solo post game following a 118-113 loss by the Brooklyn Nets to the Milwaukee Bucks. And we have a ton to talk about in this game. I, I The place you have to start is the effort. What you hope for every night when you're watching a game, there's, there's two things you hope for. One, you're not, you didn't get in this one because you hope that you're going to see some superstars <laughs> playing a basketball game. That did not happen in this game. Giannis, uh, depends where you want to land, Drew or Mikhail. Um, but no Giannis in this game. Obviously, if you were a Bucks fan way early in the season, you think you're buying tickets for Giannis versus Durant. It's going to be you know, Giannis and Drew versus Durant and Kyrie. That's what you think you're going to get when you buy those tickets earlier in the season. And then when it finally gets down to it, you know, sometimes injuries and sometimes circumstance and all this other stuff gets in the way of, you know, what your dreams are when you think you're about to watch a basketball game and you end up getting no Giannis. You get the rest of the bucks in this one. And then you get a Nets team that effectively is I don't even want to call it the B team. I mean, you're on the C and D team, not by grades, just levels of where you are in this one. And the Nets sort of signaled early what they were going to do, which was not play the, you know, important guys. I guess I'll put that in quotes. Important guys, uh, a lot of minutes, and they're going to end up running essentially the very, very end of the bench and what amounts to their G League team in a game against the Bucs. And it's just such a weird thing with how this can happen sometimes in the NBA. And the script, as it usually is written out, means that this game is a double-digit victory for Milwaukee it's well over. Maybe you get a little scrappiness out of this Nets team. But, I mean, from a talent standpoint, what's the expectation here? We're talking Drew Smith and David Duke Jr. against Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, Bobby Portis, guys like this. This game should be an absolute and complete blowout. And the Nets, as they have done multiple times this season with a variety of different players, put up a fight that makes the other team really sweat. They have won a couple of these games already this season, either through you know, big comebacks or if you think back to that Pacers game uh, you know, back, in, I believe, in December where it was just the bench unit and they pulled the game out. You know, this one, the Nets had no business, no business being in this game at all with the players they were running. And Jacques Vaughn leads a group that, 
you know, continues to fight all the way through. Now we'll talk about if they should have just stuck with this plan all the way through the game. I think there's a real question about that, which I definitely, definitely want to talk to about going forward here. Is that like, you know, just because the guys get you back in, or they should they be the ones that carry you home? But when you talk about putting up an effort in an NBA game and watching another team really sweat in front of their home crowd, because it would be among the most embarrassing losses of the season to lose to this Nets group at home. You have to give the Nets a little credit in there. It's always it's a loss is a loss. The Nets could use all the wins they could get now to avoid the playing game. You know, you'd like to stick the, at this point into where their playoff seating is. You don't want to have to sweat out maybe no playoffs, although maybe not the worst thing in the world. But still, it, these wins do count, and this will never count as a win. You, there are no moral victories in pro sports. Like you're paid to win. That should be the modus operandi, and that really should be almost always what you're evaluated on. And there are some times where I think we can look and say, hey, these guys were put in a situation that would be almost insurmountable by any measure. You know, take a look at just at betting markets where these games are going to sit minus 13, minus 14, something like that. Live betting at a lot higher when it comes to just where the actual real number between the talents of the two teams sit. The Nets had no business keeping this close. Not only did they have no business keeping it close, they had no business outscoring the Bucks 66-54 in the second half. Get, pulling this game to within two points in critical moments. Having a, a challenge call not go their way, right? Having a few, the ball bounce a few you know, wrong directions late in the game where they probably could have maybe made this game a tie or even taken the lead. There was no business for any of that to happen in this game just based on the players that were playing on one side of the ball for Milwaukee and the players that were playing on the other side of the ball for the Nets. These things just aren't really supposed to happen, except when you get one team full of guys that are out there trying to pretty much only prove themselves at this point. Nerland's Noel on a 10-day contract. Drew Smith, G League. David Duke Jr., 2A, G League. Daron Sharp, G League. Patty Mills, buried. End of the bench, veteran, comes back out and gives one of the best performances uh, that he's had all season. Yuta Watanabe, full max effort on some of these on getting on the board, still has something to prove. Edmund Sumner, who's been out with personal stuff with the, with the birth of a child, has also been kind of buried. He gets in there and gets absolute max effort. And then you get Cam Thomas, who we'll also talk about, who just remains one of the weirdest stories in the league at this point, just about what's going on, who probably, I think every single night, that guy feels like he has something to prove when he actually steps on the court. So you get guys that go out there and – all have something on a personal level that they probably want to be able to take care of and know that there's no point in taking their foot off the gas at any point in the game and just get a few balls to bounce your way, a few three-pointers to go in, a few drives to the basket that work, and you get a game that I thought I was going to come onto this podcast and have, I mean, you would have to be me off <laughs> if they had actually pulled this game out. I'm not sure we would have burned this thing down. I mean, like this would have been – one of the coolest wins of the entire season had they been able to pull it off. And I actually can't even talk too negatively about the effort by the players on the court. Yes, I think we can talk a little negatively about the strategy. I definitely have complaints about that on a high level. But from the effort from the players that were actually on the court, what can you do? You can't complain at all. You can only give praise. Like that's that there's really only praise to be given here. When a when a closing group of you know David Duke Jr., Patty Mills, Cam Thomas. Daron Sharp, these guys are out there keeping the Bucks sweating all the way to the end. It doesn't count as a win in the wins and loss column 
but accounts for something in the effort column and accounts, I think, a little something, at least from the motivation piece from Jacques Vaughn, uh, that this is a team that still wants to fight and this is a team that will not give up even when all reasonable metrics, reasonable numbers, and just reasonable fans would say, this thing is over. <laughs> There's no hope. You're going to get killed. And then that's really, really put up an effort. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that happened in this game as well. Do want to have a, a, you know, a few bones to pick with just sort of a strate- on a high strategic level about like what kind of happens here on these back-to-backs and like the expectation around the NBA about what you should be doing in these games or even just what it's okay to do in these games for, on a team level. Going to talk about all of that in a second. But first, have to let you know that this show is sponsored by our friends over at better help getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process because we're always growing. We're always changing. I know this, but therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding. Sometimes we don't know what we want or we're just reacting the way we do until we have to talk through things. Better help connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are, if you're learning coping skills, you're learning how to set boundaries, you're learning just to be self-empowered, just be the best version of yourself. If you've maybe experienced some major setbacks in your life, BetterHelp is there for you. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just got to fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists anytime for no additional t- charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MBA today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash MBA. All right. I believe I have this number correct. And um, I tried double checking and triple checking it and tweeted it out to just see if I could get any confirmation on it. But I believe that the Nets bench tonight set the all-time record for most bench points in a game. As far as I can tell, the previous record was 1977-94 points by the uh, Golden State Warriors. In this game, the Nets ended up scoring 98 points um, because the starters only scored 15 points. Mikael Bridges had uh, 10 points. Seth Curry had 5 points. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, 0. Joe Harris, 0. Nerlens Noel, 0. So they had 15 points. And they put up 113 total. I'm pretty sure this is the record. Now, look, these records back in the day, this like this kind of thing could never have happened. Like it would have been, frankly, embarrassing uh, in a previous versions of the NBA for games to go off like this, where guys start and, you know, three dudes score, play 10 minutes and score zero points. Your quasi best player, possibly a superstar and Mikhail Bridges gets out there, scores 10 and 12 minutes and never sees the court again. Felt a lot like for Mikhail, they were keeping that Iron Man consecutive game streak alive for him. Uh, and maybe they just were. I'm like, maybe that's not even a secret. He's at 375 straight games played in his career right now. When really every other functional player, except for Dorian Finney-Smith, got this game off. Mikhail Bridges played 12 minutes. It did feel like a keeping the lights on uh kind of thing with with bridges and that record and eh, what i mean i don't care it's it's a bigger problem on the on a higher nba level like that we'll talk about soon but you know i think that's why bridges got to get out and get a little bit of run here more than you know and the rest of these guys sat but the bench played the bench was the whole team here and 
we'll double check and triple check this. And again, I didn't see it anywhere else, but I looked it up and I believe that's the number. Looks like the Nets will go down in the record book for most bench points in a game. Is that a great thing? I'm not sure. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's a record you want to have. Uh, it's a little weird because it's like, well, the guys who did it uh, maybe can pat themselves on the back. It says a little bit of a weird thing about your team where your bench is able to score that many points. It's like, well, what exactly happened that the bench in regulation was allowed to take this many shots or play this many minutes? And I think there's you know other questions you can say to yourself that maybe not all records are ones you want to own. And that on the bench, the bench points one does feel a little like that. But that was the theme of this game. The Nets knew that they were on the front end of the back to back in this game. They knew that they had Minnesota on Friday, whether they felt like this really wasn't all that winnable against the Bucs, even without Giannis, or they just wanted to get rest or the state of the NBA, how it is now, where this kind of thing is acceptable. They essentially waved the white flag only to find out <laughs> that the guys that they were going to end up rolling with were going to just kind of, for some of them, play some of their best games of the year. Patty Mills with an absolute turn back the clock effort here. He goes eight for 16 from the field, five for nine from three, scores 23 points, gets seven, seven rebounds uh, against a pretty big Bucks team, uh, dishes out four assists as well. Um, you can't complain at all about his effort. Took big shot after big shot, kept them in the game, was probably one of his best games of the entire season for you know a veteran that knows that he's essentially out of the rotation and maybe getting close to being out of the NBA. I mean, like he's not playing for this team. It's hard to imagine he's going to, there's a lot of other teams that are out there beating his door down. He's got to another season with the nets under contract. So he'll be a net next year, but you know, maybe this is kind of the nearing the end of the line and not a total knock, but you know, this guy's getting old. He's played a lot of seasons. Like that's just kind of how it works. He ends up with a really, really nice game. You get 30 minutes out of Daron Sharp, who is clearly still a work in progress, even though Nerlens Noel on the 10-day contract got the start. And then you get guys like David Duke Jr., who's really played almost no minutes this season. Drew Smith uh, only has been on the team for a few weeks. Those two guys combined for 30 points. There was a big shot after big shot sort of element to what the Nets were doing tonight. And I think if you played this game out 100 times, we don't get this kind of outcome many of them i think that a lot of things just sort of swung their way i think they had just enough energy or the requisite energy in the second half to sort of keep their foot on the gas enough to just keep it in the game with the with the bucks but they the effort was all there so even though this is a team that knew going in that the plan was play these guys some minutes and get out of it harris curry mikhail like the dorian finney smith these guys were not going to be long for the game that they knew they were going to run a bench unit just pretty much the whole time. It, you have to, again, you, you commend the effort for what they had to do. And I think there's like sort of some problems with why that is like, why that is just sort of okay to do in this modern NBA. Like, why is it all right to, for a team to just sit everybody and just basically take schedule losses? This is becoming more and more acceptable throughout the league. It feels very, very weird. It feels weird to just like have a Mikhail Bridges on your team in a winnable game who's played minutes earlier in the game when you have a close game at the end to not cycle some of these guys back in after these guys have played more minutes at high leverage than they've played all year. I, I'm very, I get very torn about things like this. Like on the one hand, like I said, there's a little mini excitement to start the podcast where we're like, oh, you know, great effort. 
Great to see some of these young guys kind of ball out for a little bit. Cool to see they get their chance. At the same time, there's only 82 games in a regular season of basketball. Every win does kind of count. When you have these guys active, like Mikhail Bridges, who's clearly their best player, I, like by you know a factor of X, I don't even know what it is, it's clearly their best player. Even guys like Seth Curry, like Dorian Finney-Smith that are going to be able to just contribute winning plays, presumably, and they haven't played, so like they should be pretty fresh. To not bring these guys back in, I, I do think it's just odd. Like I just think, and it's it's more says about the NBA at large than it does about the Nets. Like I think the Nets are only doing what a lot of other teams do. Also, maybe not in this exact way, like where the starters play some minutes and then are gone. Most times, it's like it's like it's, most times it's like. You, you know, you just fully sit out everybody and you just play the guys you have. You have, you know, nine, you know, nine active dudes or whatever. Like, I just don't understand why you can't at some point just say we're going to go for the win. Like, I just don't understand why at some point Mikhail Bridges can't come back in the game or Joe Harris come back in the game or Seth Curry come back in the game. We're just like still better than the guys that are playing. I get that these guys are playing well. I know the coach speak will say, well, these are the guys that fall all the way. We want to let us see them close it out. I just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I, like, And I get it's become more and more acceptable across the NBA landscape to be able to play games like this and just to not have much pushback when it comes to, oh, yeah, it's a rest night, and that's just kind of what happens. Every team does it. It's not the Nets. To some degree, the Nets do it less than other teams. So I, I can't like totally complain. But it's just such a weird dynamic that we've created in the NBA or that not we've created that has been created in the NBA where it's just like sort of acceptable to take losses or to just not bring players back in or not play your best players because there's like a rest situation or you're on the front end of the back to back. Like, yeah. Is there some strategy to that? Sure. I also know that this game was a two point game with a few minutes left to go at that point. You can win the game. So the strategy doesn't like matter at that point. There's no point, you know, there's, you should just be trying to win the game. Like, yeah, I know originally you said, we're going to go out and get killed. And that's what we've all kind of agreed. That's going to happen. But like, at some point, this is an MB, these guys are professionals. Like you're trying to win games. I don't know, understand why this works. So I don't want to get like too far afield around this stuff because I get, it's just part of the broader NBA landscape. I just find it very weird that this kind of, I hate to call it behavior because that sounds sounds didactic. It's like this kind of element of the game in the NBA now is just okay. It's just okay to just throw out, you know, random G leaguers for a game and just get crushed. And oh, great! Ooh, they played well. That's great. And I, again, I'm happy that the Nets played well. But <clears throat> excuse me, to just know that there were other players on the bench, or this game could have gone a little differently, or they could have just tried to win with a better set of group. I don't know. I just, at some point, I think there's going to be a reckoning around the NBA with this and that this kind of thing won't stand. And again, I think we got a little bit of a lucky outcome that the Nets were able to keep this one close. If you play this game a hundred times out of a hundred, I think most times it's an app. It's a total, total blowout. We're not seeing the buck starters anywhere close to the fourth quarter, but in this one, you, you get just enough of a narrative to keep it going, and I still find it just a little odd, and I still can't help but wonder if it had gone a little differently or there was a slightly different strategy if this just could have been a Nets win instead of a, you know, a moral victory or a hard-fought loss, which is what you get in the end.
takes nothing away from the effort from Patty Mills, takes nothing away from the effort from these other guys. Is nothing about that. Those guys were great. I that's why we spent the whole first part talking about it. But I do wonder if something was left on the table in this game. Because to me, and even at the time, it really, really felt like it. Want to talk a little bit about Cam Thomas, uh, talk a little bit about what's coming up here for the Nets and where they stand. We'll get to all of that in a second. First, I'm going to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel. It's a perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. New customers are going to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sports app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Going into tonight, this one wavered back and forth on FanDuel. It was uh, down to minus 9 at one point with the Giannis thing, but then all the way back up to minus 12 or minus 13 for Milwaukee. No matter which way you slice it, Nets came out on the right side of this one over at FanDuel. You got to go check out FanDuel today. Makes it super easy to get your NBA bets in. It's not just money lines. Or points for as either you can get go up for player props, uh, player points, rebounds, assists. You put them all into a same game parlay uh, to even get a bigger payout. Just some of what you're going to get over. And FanDuel, don't miss your chance to get your no, first no sweat first bet up to a thousand dollars when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, we'll close this out, talk a little Cam Thomas, uh, and just talk, uh, we'll throw in a few, a little bit of the effort that we saw from some of these guys. I find the Cam Thomas situation just increasingly weird. I, I don't know what's happening with him. Um, I think that, I feel like sometimes we don't get enough questions asked about it. I'll check in about Jacques Vaughn. I know we had commented about Cam Thomas after last game where he was played basically no minutes, uh, even in the loss. And Jacques Vaughn was like, well, you know, he gave his minutes to Nerlens Noel and he's he could play zero minutes one night and 30 minutes the next night. And that was kind of what Vaughn ended up saying about the Cam Thomas situation. I will say, and I said it last game too, is that the games where Cam Thomas is a candidate to play like the most minutes are the last two games that they've played. And I know he played 26 in this one. And I have to tell you, even those 26 felt like a begrudging 26 minutes, because if you look at the the minutes breakdown for the rest of the team, okay, like, okay, sorry, I'm just getting choked up here about these Cam Thomas minutes. Yudawan Nabi played 29. Darren Sharp played 30. Patty Mills played 31. Drew Smith played 22. David Duke Jr. played 27. One more minute than Cam Thomas. This is weird. Like, this is just a weird situation. There's no other way to shake this out other than, like, they just don't like Cam Thomas. Like, I don't know another way to interpret it at this point. Unless someone tells us differently, I just don't know how you can think about this situation any more differently than they just don't like him. Like, if there's a game where he could just get out there and play 32, 33 minutes because you need a scoring, this is going to be it. Like there's or last game where he could have got blowout run and he just isn't part of the closing group when it comes to, you know, they're just getting run off the court uh, or excuse me, where they're sorry, where they're blowing out the other team. Like these are the times where you would think you would see more Cam Thomas and it's just not happening. And I said, like I said, with the begrudging minutes tonight, the rotations for him were even a little bit weird in terms of like when his minutes came, they ended up closing with him. It was kind of one of these situations like where you kind of had to close with him. He was scoring 
pretty easily near the end. He does finish with 21 points in 26 minutes, second leading scorer on the team, despite you know playing less minutes. <coughs> excuse me, than than a lot of other guys, um, even coming off the bench. I find the whole situation just a little bit odd. It's clear that the score, just the scoring for him isn't enough for whatever else they want to see from him, um, whether it's on court or off court. It's just not enough to get him like all the way across the finish line with real rotation minutes. I think this game was a, a, the most damning the, of them all. I thought the last one in the blowout where he didn't play was maybe the worst one. Weirdly, I feel like this 26-minute game is even more damning than those other ones because this one felt like we were going to get like a locked-up 30 minutes for him, and that just didn't happen. Now, maybe you think it's predicated on his game is enough of a team game. I, I think we've seen evidence that that's like not totally true all the time. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe that's how you feel. No assist in this game either. Yeah, I think there's certain things you can look into when it comes to some of his numbers or is on, on the court play. I'll still contend that he can score at an elite level in the NBA, and that is worth something. I know that sometimes that's hardest to stand out among other guys. Cause like a lot of guys have given green lights, you know, and a lot of minutes can score lots of points. I still think that it's very clear that he can score at an elite level or at least like a step below an elite level on an NBA, uh, on an NBA court. And that is worth something. And it's just something is not totally connecting with what's happening for him on the court. What's happening him, with the coaching staff, where they view him, maybe even long-term, whether it's a message being sent or whatever it is. Again, going into this game, where would I have put Cam Thomas's minutes? I would have put him like 30-32 just based on what they were going to do. And if I knew that he wasn't going to start and this was going to be the starter's minutes, I would have put it even higher. Like, because that's just how it, like you would think it's going to shake out. And it just isn't shaking out any way that makes sense to me, who's not even like the biggest Cam Thomas fan in terms of like his overall game. So it's not even that. Like, where I'm not even standing super hard for the guy. It's just at this point, like Drew Smith and David Duke Jr. playing as many minutes of him. It just doesn't, something just doesn't commute, compute to me. So I'm not sure what happens long-term here. Um, we're recording this right after the game. So I haven't heard Jock Vaughn's post-game presser if it was brought up, uh, but it could have been brought up. Again, it was kind of brought up last game and was given a non-answer then. I'm not sure if we see anything change. I do not think we're going to continue to see fruitful or uh, robust cam thomas minutes going forward because there's just really no evidence that's a, that's going to happen all right so overall hard fought game don't love the way love the effort love would have loved to see them pull out a w would have also just seemed to i would have also just loved to see the nba operate a certain different way when it comes to these games and when it comes to some of these players and maybe it's a schedule thing and it should be more on the schedule makers and it should be on the players or maybe it should be more on the teams to just say, hey, this is just these are the games and you just we have to go out and play them. That's just not the case in the NBA at this point. And, and no one's going to ever fault these guys for not bringing them back in. And I still just find it a little weird because I feel like in the end, this game could have been a W. All right. We are going to get out of here. Appreciate everyone that's in YouTube right now. We'll stick around for a few extra minutes on YouTube live. If you're listening on the podcast feed, make sure you subscribe to YouTube. Locked on that's YouTube. We are climbing toward 6,000 subscribers. That is the goal. Would love to get to 6,000 before the end of the season. That's probably going to make the playoffs. We'll have a few extra weeks to get there as well. So make sure you are subscribed over to Locked on Nets YouTube. Adam is the one that always comes up with a great quote to finish out 
the every episode. So I'll just say Adam Armbrecht, one of the great American poets. We'll be back again next week and in a moment on YouTube talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. <laughs>